I was talking to a pastor Saturday night by phone. He lives in Kansas, and he's been pastoring for a couple of years, and I was talking to him and his wife, and he was just sharing with me how difficult it is, and he said, Rick, how long did you make it? And he laughed. I laughed, too. We know each other pretty well, and we were enjoying each other's company, and so we could tongue-in-cheek talk to each other, but there's also a lot of seriousness in what he was saying. How long did you last? I'm sure you have read the, st the statistics or you have heard about them with the fallout rate among pastors. They just don't last long. And he was surprised at how hard it is to pastor and then Sunday morning, I was teaching as I'm right in the middle of, of eight days of teaching and counseling and consulting and doing all kinds of training at Marco Island and Marco Island, Florida at Marco Presbyterian Church. And I made a similar comment at how difficult it is to pastor. And I was talking to one of the pastors that was in that meeting yesterday. I was talking to him the, today, and he said that his wife was elbowing him, saying, yes, 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 she understands, or she was saying that he understands, Rick understands. And so as I was thinking about my friend in Kansas and thinking about my pastor friend here on Marco Island, Florida, I thought, you know what, it would be good to do a podcast and just talk about the exhausting work of being a pastor, and so that's what this podcast is about. It's episode 196, and it's titled that, Understanding the Exhausting Work of Being a Pastor. Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. My name is Rick Thomas, and you can find me at rickthomas.net. And by the way, if you have a question, a topic idea, and you would like for me to wrestle through it and develop some show notes as I have here, show notes are simply an outline. In the podcasting world, they call it show notes, so I do too. But it is an outline of, of, what you're, of what the podcast is about. And if you have a topic and would like for me to develop some show notes and to do a 30-minute Life Over Coffee podcast, I would love to consider that. Just let me know. Or maybe you have someone that you would like for me to interview. Uh, that could be an option as well. I would love to interview them, maybe, depending on who it is and if they are willing but if you would like for me to work through something, I would love to serve you that way. And so just write in and, and say, hey, would you, would you do this? Would you talk about this for about 30 minutes on your Life Over Coffee podcast? And give me as much detail as you can. And that would be fantastic. And I would love to pray about it and see if that would be God's pleasure and develop something for you and do a podcast about it. If you want to read these show notes, again, it's episode 196 titled Understanding the Exhausting Work of Being a Pastor. There are many hard jobs, and I bet you, if I ask you to give me your list of the most difficult ones, you could do so readily. But I doubt that many Christians would list pastoring as one of the most complex and exhausting jobs that you could have and the reason for that is, is that many Christians, most Christians, just do not understand why it's so hard. Sometimes we jokingly say, and it's probably not 
funny and not the most helpful joke, but we say that pastors work between 10 and 12 on Sunday, and, and that's it. That's the extent of their job. Uh, no, it's not remotely. It's not. <laughs> there's no universe where it's like that. And so what I want to do in this podcast is I want to pull back the curtain and let you have a peek into the complexity of pastoring. There is no way that I can do it justice. There is no way I can give you a full comprehensive view of what pastoring is like. But I did pastor for a while, and I have been serving pastors for a long time. And so I have seen behind the curtain, both from personal experience and talking with scores of them, and so I hope that this will help you, and honestly, I hope that it will give you greater affection for your pastor. Now, I, I realize that virtually any time that you hear anybody talking about pastoring on the internet, whether it's a podcast or an article or a blurb that comes across your favorite social media platform stream, it's usually about the fallen pastor, the abusive pastor, the mean pastor, the bad pastor. And I understand how that happens and why we do that and all of that. And honestly, I mean, I have written about that. I have written a lot about pastoral abuse and fallen pastors. I don't want to shy away from that. But I think it's also important that we understand that the abusive pastors in this world, uh, even though get, they get the most attention, they are a minority report. And they are a lot. There are, mil, there, oh, I don't know how many there are. There are, let's say, multiplied thousands of excellent shepherds who are doing a good job and they are trying hard and it is exhausting work. When you compare one thing to another thing, like compare one job description to another job description, you're always in dangerous territory because there are never any perfect analogies. But as I was thinking about this idea of pastoring, and if I wanted to pull out a, the best doppelganger, I mean the best comparison, a mirror-like job, when factoring in the complexity and the continuous nature of the job, the one that comes to mind is being a mother. Being a mother and being a pastor does have similarity. Let me share with you two characteristics that come to mind immediately. One is, is that there are no days off for a pastor or a mother. The second one is you, you must multitask at a high level. Even when mothers go with their families on vacation, they are always working. We are in the middle of our travel schedule. It's not exactly a vacation as today. I will have an 18-hour work day as I wrap up this podcast and do some forum responses here in just a moment when I'm done. It's a very long day, but we are traveling. And before we began traveling, Lucia was administrating the travel schedule and planning our travels and doing the main packing and organizing and making sure that we have everything ready. And then as we land in different venues, she's washing clothes and she just walked in the door a few moments ago with some groceries because we have to do that. And so she's doing that. So even while on vacation, her job does not end. And it's not just the unending nature of being a mother, 
but she has to multitask. She has to do so many things, wear so many hats. And that's the way a pastor's job is. There is no rest for a pastor. For a pastor to have a valid day off to rest, he must take three days off in a row. Of course, that's not going to happen. That can't happen. You need a nine-day work week in order for him to, to have a valid rest day because it looks like this. The first day you take off, you're decompressing. The intensity of your week, the things that you go through, the discussions that you have, the heartache that you uh, experience, the burdens that you carry, the victories that you enjoy, the grind of crafting and digging and exegeting a, a sermon, the actual preaching event, the administrating of Sunday morning and all the activities that go on during the week, many things behind, behind the scenes. When you come to your day of rest, you need a day to decompress. And then you need a second day, and that is actually the day of rest. That's the day when you can, <sighs> I can breathe now, and I can actively engage my family, and we can do something, relax, have fun, whatever it may be. And then you need a third day. The third day is for ramping up for the workload that is waiting for him when he gets back on the job I put on the job in quotation marks because he's never off the job. A good shepherd is always carrying the burdens of the people with him. And it doesn't matter what day it is. It can be a vacation. It can be the day off. It can definitely be Sunday, the day of rest. But the thing about a pastor is they don't... They don't check their burdens off at the door when five o'clock rolls around and pick them up again the next morning. Pastors are never free from the hurts of their people. Pastors are never free from the struggles that the sheep carry and the circumstances that they find themselves. If I could loop back around and go back to my mother analogy, and, and good dads are like this as well. I don't want to... I don't want to dismiss you or marginalize you, but good parents are like this. It doesn't matter what day of the week is. You're always carrying the burdens of your children. You're always thinking about your children. You're always loving them, hoping the best for them, strategizing your life, your day, so that you can minister to them, especially in the area of leading them to God. But there's so much more than leading them to God. We live in a practical world, a mundane world that requires so many other events like feeding them, clothing them, training them, education, teaching them how to interact with culture and on and on. Well, in the pastorate, you multiply that by 20, multiply it by 100 for some, you multiply it by 1,000. It's not one or two or three children. It's hundreds of them and you love them all. I used to think that being a pastor was an ideal job. I remember in 1997, uh, a local church in Greenville, South Carolina, was, was going to hire me. 
to come on staff as the, the counselor. And I remember driving down the street where the church building is, and I can vividly, I can see it now as I was driving down the street, and I, I looked off to my left, and I looked at that church building, and, and I thought, how wonderful it's going to be in a few days, I'm going to be in that building with those other pastors, and we're going to be, we're going to spend our entire day praying and studying our Bibles. How wonderful would it be to have nothing to do but to talk to God and study His Word all day long and then go home at the end of the day and come back tomorrow and do it all over again? The life of a pastor it was going to be the perfect job, and then I started to work. It took me about a week to realize that I had no time to pray. I had no time to read my Bible. In fact, it was so hard and such a challenge to do that, that I remember when one of the pastors came up with a great idea and he said, once a month, you're going to take the entire day off and you're going to spend that day, that work day. You're going to get paid, but you're going to spend that work day, eight hours of studying scripture and spending time with God and doing absolutely nothing else. And I remember one time when, when my day came around, uh, I went to a, a local lake and just sat out on the bank of that lake and stared at the lake and the sun and the sky and the birds and read my Bible and pray. And I, I spent the day doing that. And we did that for a season. And I thought how interesting that is or how instructive that is that things are so frenetic around here that we actually have to mandate a day off so that we could go and pray. I had to wrestle with my calendar on a daily basis while mustering the courage to disappoint a few people who wanted a piece of me because there were always more people problems in my day than there were ours. A pastor is a, a multitasker. I mentioned that when I was using the analogy to the mother and definitely a pastor has to be a multitasker. But pastoring is more than just caring for souls. As I've said, I, I pastored for five years during the 2000s, and, and only about 15% of, of my work, that's an arbitrary number, but a low percentage of my work was in the area of sanctification, in the area of discipleship, or in the area of caring for souls, to use that language because the other work of the ministry, it stretches you so thin that finding time to just care for the sheep, it is a real challenge. I want to just give you a short list of some of the things that I did as a pastor just to give you an idea. This is not exhaustive. There are pastors that could write me and say, Rick, you missed this, 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 and this. And they could double this list of all the things that they do. But some of the things that I did because of where we were as a local church, we were, we were looking for property. And so I was, the, I was a real estate agent 
I was looking for land so that we could build a building. I was searching for a building. I was studying local codes and talking to contractors. I had to learn web development and social media. We had family fun days at our local church, and I administrated them. I had an Excel spreadsheet that was a half a mile long and had all the duties that were necessary to make sure that the popcorn machines were there and the the uh, the fence posts were. We, we drove those in the ground and put up the orange netting so that we could have a safe place for the kids to play. And we had a tug of, tug of war rope and and a volleyball and 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 hot dogs and and administrating the family fun day it was a huge spreadsheet you had to administrate Sunday mornings all the things that are involved in Sunday morning do you know if your Sunday do you know how to know if your Sunday morning goes well you know your Sunday morning goes well if you go to the church meeting on Sunday enjoy it all go home and you don't have any complaint you don't criticize the flowers you don't criticize the the bulletin you don't criticize the lack of having markers for the whiteboard in in the sunday school class you don't criticize the air conditioning or the lighting or or the thousand other things that people can criticize because it was all administrated perfectly the pastor oversees and he makes sure that his team uh, has all of those things does all of those things when i talk about administrating sunday morning it's a big deal I also had to develop and direct children's ministry. I would oversee banners and posters and graphic design. I led a small group. I was the youth pastor. I was a part-time preacher. I did new member follow-up. I did member meetings, did leadership meetings. I did counseling. I prepared and made announcements. I administrated communion. I did calendar planning. I attended staff meetings, prayer meetings, youth events, evangelistic outreaches. Those were just some of the things that I did. And as I said, I, I think some pastors would some pastors would write into me and they say, Rick, uh, that's really a, a, a short list. Let me let me tell you so much more of what I do. But what I want you to see, what I want you to hear in this podcast is is that you do have to be a multitasker. And these are things that, that church people don't even need to think about. And it's why I want to share this with you, because I think it would be a good idea for you to know of the exhaustive work of being a pastor. I had a friend late last year ask me if I wanted to plant a church with him, and my immediate response to him was no. I mean, as soon as he asked me, I said no. He said, do you want to pray about it? I said no. Well, I mean, I had already prayed about it. I've already wrestled through this idea of being a pastor. I have no desire whatsoever to ever be a pastor. Now, God could change my mind, and I'm open to that. But I have prayed about it, and he asked me. He said, do you want to help me plant a church? I said, no. And he said, well, that's a quick response. (laughs) And so he wondered why. And this is what I told him. I said, my friend, when I pastored, about 15% of my time was caring for the sheep. And the rest of my time was the administrative business of the church, like some of the things that I just mentioned to you. And I said, today, the ministry that the Lord has given me, I spend about 80% of my time helping folks through leadership development, that's our mastermind program, and content creation. Through leadership development and content creation, I spend about 80% of my time helping people also including the forums as people come to us every day asking questions, working through whatever it is they're working through. But my point is, in one way or another, about 80% of my time 
is caring for souls, and about 20% of my time is doing administrative things for the ministry. Now, after I explained it to him, <laughs> he's pastored before, he understands the drill, and he thought about it, and he said, well, since you explained it that way, it makes sense, I understand. I said, why would I, why would I want to go from 80% in soul care to down to 15% in soul care so that I can make sure bulletins are printed and flowers are arranged on the stage and the musicians have what they need and the Sunday school classes have what they need, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I realize in larger churches, one pastor, larger churches, they will have one pastor and he can focus on fewer things because they have the finances and they have the human resources to do the other needs. And I understand that, I do. And I, I think that's great if you have a discipleship pastor, you have a teaching pastor. Uh, I have a, a, a pastor friend who is, uh, in, in my view, he's just, he's in my top 1A, 1B as the best preacher I've ever heard in my life, week in and week out. And I asked him, I said, how long do you spend crafting your sermon each week? And he said about 25 hours. And I have known him for, well, more than a decade now. And I've interacted with him at all kinds of levels and in all kinds of contexts. And I know that to be true, that he spends 25 hours exegeting a passage of Scripture, reflecting upon it, crafting the sermon, doing all the research to it, fine-tuning the sermon, and then, then preaching it. And in larger churches, you can, you can do that. But there is no possible way uh, for the normal pastors. And what I mean by that, most churches are you know, under 250 people and they don't have the finances or the volunteers so that they can be more of a specialist. It would be fantastic if they could, but that's not real world. And for most people, they can't do that. And so there is no possible way that they're going to spend 25 hours crafting a sermon with all the other needs that are necessary uh, to serve 50 people or 100, 150, or 200. For me, my day off when I pastored was Monday, and so our goal was always to stop work by mid midnight, that I had to close the lid on my laptop by midnight Sunday, and then I would not look at my laptop again until Tuesday morning, which I did most weeks, but I never rested. It was not possible to actually rest on Monday it's like the frog boiling in the kettle who never realizes he's in a slow boil until he's boiled to death. It was only after I left the pastorate that I experienced rest. And so I'm talking about him being a multitasker. I'm talking about the exhaustive nature of the job, but I haven't said anything about his family. The things that I'm talking about here do not speak to the needs of his family, specifically his wife and children. Many pastors do not have good marriages because they either don't know how to care for their wives well or the ministry swallows their lives to the point that they wittingly or unwittingly sacrifice their families. I'm not saying that any pastor does that intentionally, and that's why I say unwittingly they end up sacrificing their, their families for whatever reason, but we know that it happens and though I'm speaking specifically about the job of a pastor, there is the silent hurt 
that his wife experiences as she feels every criticism, every hurtful word, every divisive comment from a congregant. You can't separate the pastor and his wife because they are one flesh. When he hurts, she hurts. When she hurts, he's hurting. And the pastor's wife, the silent sufferer, carries these things in her heart while trying to shield her children from the abuse of the Christians that they are trying to serve. I have talked to wife after wife and pastor after pastor, and they talk about this very thing. And then when his closest friends hurt him, the temptation for him is to recoil and to bury his hurt. That temptation is strong. The temptation for his wife is not to take up an offense for how her husband is hurting the suffering parent is an excellent analogy of what I'm speaking about here. Your child hurts you, parent. They hurt you again. And there's nothing that you can do, really, but suffer in silence, knowing that, that until God intervenes, this child will not see the light. And there are, many, there are many hits that you take. There are many things as a parent. You know this so well. And you just suffer. You can't bring up every blooming thing <laughs> That the child does because, well, that would exacerbate the child. And so there's a lot of this internal suffering that you carry. But in the church, that disappointment can be 20-fold year in, year out as new members come and older ones leave. The players may change, but the game is always the same. There are no breaks. There's not a single aspect of the pastor's life that the enemy does not attempt to attack. He can feel like the loneliest man in the world. And if he's not careful, he can take his soul to some wrong places. I'm talking about the good shepherds here. Most of the news about pastors is bad. It's like when you read about a police officer on the take or one who kills an innocent person. The media is ablaze at how awful the police are and their abuses of power. I often think about the police officers who love people. They love their jobs, and they take what they do to serve and to protect seriously. There are more of those than the bad ones that we read about on our social media platforms, and that's why virtually every time I see a police officer, I shake his hand and I thank him, or her hand for that matter, but I shake their hand and I thank them for what they do. And we, we teach our children to do that as well. There are far more good shepherds than the ones we highlight when they fall or abuse someone. If your pastor is one of the good ones, will you let him know that? Will you thank him for his sacrifice? Will you ask how you can serve him practically? And then ask about his wife and children. What can you do for them how can you be Jesus to his wife? How can you be Jesus to his children? How can you be Jesus to him? I want to leave this podcast by quoting a, a verse of Scripture. But again, if you want to read this podcast, the show notes, the things that I've just shared with you, go to episode 196 under the Life Over Coffee series. It's called Understanding the Exhausting Work of being a pastor. But in Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Your pastor will give an account for how he is shepherding 
you. Now, there's much to say there, but I want to move on and jump into the next sentence in this verse. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Let them, let the pastors do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so here's my question to you, that Christians should be a joy to their pastors. Straightforward question. Are you a joy to your pastor? Now, there's one way for you to know this. I I, I want to appeal to you this week to go to your pastor. and, And will you ask him if you are a joy for him to pastor you? Pastor, am I a joy for you to pastor me? Now, if you can't ask that question to your pastor, well, you probably have your answer. Now, there are one or two things going on. He's not a good shepherd, but I'm not dealing with that in this podcast. I have written about that, and I just will not do that here. But there could be another thing, that other thing going on, and it could be that you are just not a joy to pastor And the Hebrew writer says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Does your pastor groan when he thinks of you? If so, that is of no advantage to you. And so ask him, go to him, read these show notes, share this podcast with him. Ask him about some of the things that he does when it's not between 10 and 12 on Sunday. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.